0: Grace to you in peace from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It is good to be here today. I appreciate that Pastor Ben gave me the opportunity to lead worship in his absence, um, and I know that you are all looking forward to him coming back next week. So, Um, Earlier in the week, Robin emailed me and she said, what is the title of your sermon? And it's like, you want me to have a title on Tuesday? (laughs) No. So she sent me another email on Thursday. It's like, oh yeah, I need to do that. So my title that I actually thought about is Surprises in God's Kingdom. And the key word here is surprise. We have a rose bush by our... Our front walkway that always bursts into bloom on Mother's Day. It's small pink flowers, lots of little tiny clusters. It's not the big roses, it's tiny roses, but it's on a miniature rose. That rose bush has been in our yard since we bought the house in 1985. And many years back, it became a tradition by uh, my husband and our children to take a handful of those rose petals on Mother's Day. It always burst into bloom on Mother's Day. They'd take a handful of petals, and when I would come out the door first church on Mother's Day, they'd go, surprise, and then I'd be showered with rose petals. Well, needless to say, we talked about this with our grandchildren, they literally stripped the rose bear of petals throwing surprises everywhere, including in the house. (laughs) Surprises are fun. They're startling. They catch us off guard, just like these surprise rose petals, except now I anticipate them. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm always surprised, even if I don't have kids around. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Jesus is saying about God's kingdom. Some surprises come with joy and happiness. They're fun, they're startling and shocking, and sometimes even scandalous. And that's what Jesus is comparing the kingdom of God to in Matthew chapter 13. God's kingdom is now, it is here. It is not just after we die, but it is here among us. God's kingdom is here now. And the way Jesus describes the kingdom of God in Matthew, chapter 13 is surprising, shocking, scandalous, and funny. And you go, humor in the Bible? Oh, it's all over the place. So, some of you may recall an old folk tale from India or China. I actually um, looked it up again this week. It has origins in the Buddhist tradition. So, the folk tale is this. There are six people, men who are blind, cannot see, and they are analyzing an elephant from various perspectives. The one who touched the side thought it felt it was a wall. The one who touched the tusk thought it was a spear. The one who touched the tail thought it was a rope. The one who touched the trunk thought it was like a snake. The one who touched the leg thought it was a tree and the one who touched an ear thought it was a fan. They each had different images of what an elephant was, and they were all partially right, but they didn't have the whole picture. That's what Matthew chapter 13 is. Jesus is giving us a whole series of parables in sequence trying to describe the kingdom of God, and it was like... The seeing impaired, touching an elephant, and coming up with a description. So, we have several stories, back to back, over the past two weeks, plus today, three Sundays in a row, we've had sections of that, those stories. They're all different ways to help the listener, Jesus' disciples, and Matthew's audience and all of those who have come along since Jesus and Matthew who have read and heard these stories, it's helping us understand who is God, who is Jesus, and what did Jesus come to do? And what Jesus is saying here about God and God's kingdom, which is not Rome's kingdom. It is not empire. God's kingdom is different. It's surprising, it's shocking. It's scandalous, and it's all different ways of describing what God's kingdom is. Jesus uses metaphors that are easy for his audience to understand, and in many ways, they're very funny. You have to imagine they sit there and laugh at these ideas of what God's kingdom is like. Now, I have to say, these collection of parables are part of a larger teaching of Jesus. Matthew's gospel is divided into five teaching discourses. This is the third out of the five. It's right in the middle. So Matthew's main points in his gospel, all 28 chapters, is who is Jesus, and what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? So Jesus is not just telling these stories and Matthew is not just recounting the story of Jesus, but he's telling the story in order that we might all grow in faith and become followers as well. And Matthew wrote his gospel to a community of followers of Jesus in Antioch in the midst of the Roman persecution after the fall of the Jerusalem temple. Now. Matthew chapter 13 is a response to Matthew chapter 12. And you say, well, what was in Matthew chapter 12? I knew you were to (laughs) ask. The Jewish religious leaders had a debate with Jesus about who he was, and they started to plot his death as early as Matthew chapter 12. Now, they believed that Jesus was against God like Satan, an adversary. And so they thought he was a threat. So Jesus responds with a series of stories, funny stories, about who is God, and what is God's kingdom, and how do we as followers of Jesus live in God's kingdom. These stories are answering the question, why don't the Jewish leaders believe in Jesus? And how does Jesus deal with those who reject him? That's all part of what's encompassed in these series of stories. So how does Jesus deal with this? He tells more stories. So two weeks ago, we heard the parable of the sower who went out to sow and he threw on rocky ground and hard soil and the birds came along and eat the seed. And we are used to hearing that story going, Oh wait, what kind of soil am I? Am I the good soil? This isn't about you. This is about Jesus. This is about God's willingness to sow extravagantly and sow grace wherever it falls and it blooms where it blooms. But God doesn't care because in the end God is God. And so the next story after that was a story about the wheat and the weeds and the enemy sowed weeds in with the wheat. And the funny thing is, the story of the wheat, the weeds that were in the wheat is the weeds look just like the wheat. It's a particular kind of weed that the enemy sowed. And at the end of the day, it says, leave the weeds with the wheat, and God will harvest and separate it in the end. That means God is God, and we are not, and God is judge, and we are not. That's what Jesus is saying about God's kingdom. And so we come on to these stories. God's justice is a justice of grace and forgiveness and mercy and invites us into a kingdom like that. So, this week we have more stories of what it looks like to understand God's kingdom, which is sort of like looking at an elephant from different perspectives. And Jesus uses shocking humor. He uses images that were seen as unclean, unholy. So the first story is about, well, let me say one other thing. The other thing that Jesus wants his listeners to know is that God's kingdom is not like an empire. It is not like Rome and the Roman Empire. um, The Roman Empire was an empire of power and might. God's kingdom is different. It is a reversal of the way of the world and the ways of Rome. God's kingdom, in God's kingdom, the first will be last and the last will be first. In God's kingdom, anyone who seeks to save their life must lose it. In God's kingdom, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's what God's kingdom is. That's not a kingdom of power and might. And it's not the image of a successful empire, but it is the image of God who's present here with us on earth by his spirit. God's rule doesn't let evil have the last word. In God's kingdom, death is reversed. And so this is a shocking set of stories. They're earthy images, seeds, fields of wheat, a mustard seed, yeast, treasures, priceless pearl, and a net. These are images the peasant class would understand. And they're surprising and shocking and funny. So a mustard seed, We, you know, I have mustard seed. I pulled some out of my cabinet for the children's message. Mustard seeds I use in making pickles. A mustard seed is small, it's not mighty. It's considered a weed, therefore it's unclean. It's not a desirable crop. Who would plant it? They would know no one would plant a mustard seed. It plants itself where you don't want it. A kingdom of God is like a weed. Well, the prevailing image of God's kingdom at the time was the mighty cedars of Lebanon, And this is the image that they had of God's kingdom, tall and mighty and strong. And Jesus said, No, no, no. The kingdom of God is a mustard seed. It's a little, it's a bush, but it grows so tall from this tiny seed that even the birds can plant their nest, put their nest in it. This was a joke. And the joke was on the religious leaders. This is funny to the people who are listening to Jesus. God's kingdom is like a mustard seed. This is surprising, shocking, scandalous that God would use the unclean. Well, the next one is yeast. How many of you are bread bakers? A few of you maybe have made bread from yeast. Well, maybe some of you know what yeast looks like. It's really tiny. This God's kingdom is compared to yeast in three measures of flour by a woman. Okay, well, first of all, for Passover and um, when they had to leave Egypt, they used unleavened bread. They didn't let the bread rise. Yeast at that time was not bought in the grocery store, it was wild. You saved it like sourdough starter. So, therefore, it's somewhat of an indication of potentially moral corruption and impurity. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like yeast, a wild yeast that raises the bread. And not only that, it's three measures of flour. Now we don't know what that is, but I'll tell you, it's almost 50 pounds of flour. So yeast and 50 pounds of flour makes a whole lot of loaves of bread. And this is all done by a woman what this is why this is hysterically funny it's considered to be wild yeast which is somewhat unclean it is and a ridiculous amount of flour and a woman god is compared to a woman what yes god is compared to a woman the kingdom of heaven is like a woman who put yeast in bread and it is working under the surface. We can't see the yeast working. We only see its results. And believe me, I know if my bread has doubled in size and I did make sourdough, especially during the pandemic, I um, stopped about a few months back, but we had a lot of sourdough and you save that sourdough and you take that small amount and you put it with the next batch so you can make your bread. And you can't see the yeast working, but you know that it is. That's what the kingdom of God is like. It's surprising, shocking. And, his, and Jesus' listeners would have been surprised and shocked by this image. And then Jesus isn't done. He goes on and he says, The kingdom of God is compared to a treasure in the field. And those who found treasures in the field were field workers they didn't own their fields they didn't find treasures in the field that they could have that treasures in the field belonged to caesar who is jesus kidding here no one would have enough money to go and buy a field that's what god's kingdom is like it's like treasure in the field it's not one that we can possess but god's kingdom reaches out to us. God seeks us. God pursues us. God wants a relationship with us. God's kingdom is like the pearl of great price, of great value, where one sells all they might have to obtain it again. Who in the peasant class would ever be able to find enough money to afford a pearl of great price? This is shocking, surprising, that one would give up everything they have for one single pearl. Yet this is what Jesus did. Jesus gave up all for us. This is surprising and shocking. God's kingdom is like a net that catches all kinds of fish without any discrimination The net pulls it all in. And in the end, the angels, God's servants, separate the good from the evil. We don't get to separate the good from the evil. That's not our task. That's what's in the text. Jesus says that God is God and we are not. God is judge and we are not. And then he asked the disciples, and do you understand this? And they said, yes. Do you understand this? No. Even if I try and explain it, I can't imagine the disciples saying, yes. Like when you ask your four-year-old, did you put away your toys? "Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. No. You just shoved them under your bed. God's kingdom is bigger and broader than we expect. And that is the scandalous, surprising, shocking nature of these stories that Jesus is telling, that God's kingdom is bigger than we expect. Then Jesus says to be like a scribe. Now, the scribe in Jesus' days are sometimes given a a bad connotation. And they were the experts in reading God's word, they were the ones who could interpret it. So when Jesus talks about the scribes and the Pharisees, they were the ones who actually scribed. They wrote, copied the text so that they would have fresh copies of the text, which would be what we call the Old Testament. So the scribes in God's kingdom are the ones who discern how to best use both what is old and what is new. It's ways to keep the kingdom of God fresh and relevant. This is the true nature of God's kingdom and what it means to be a disciple, a follower. To use what is the old, but not be stuck there. It's not just a dead tradition or a history lesson, but at the same time, to not just look at the fresh and new. Because God's kingdom uses both, the old and the new. There is something more, there's more depth to bring that all together. The treasure of God's kingdom is as old as the wisdom of Solomon, which is actually one of the other texts appointed for today, and it's as new as hearing the words from Paul that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord Paul writes those words at the end of the eighth chapter of Romans. We just heard them read by Greg. Romans um, chapters 1 through 8 is one long discourse, and we've heard it chunked up over the last few weeks. But that's the punchline, that we are justified by faith through Christ, and at the end of the day, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, and nothing means nothing. God's kingdom requires those of us who are followers to continue to follow, to live out God's kingdom in the, in the world today, to go share the good news of God's love with others. God's kingdom is surprising, shocking, scandalous, using the unclean, the ordinary, to bring about God's will in the world. God's reign is as wide as the branches. It's as expansive as yeast in bread. It's as rich as the pearl. God's kingdom is as great as a treasure and is as inclusive as a net that catches all kinds of fish. God's kingdom is here and now among us and you all are part of it and invited to share that kingdom of God with others. It calls for a response that is as expansive as yeast, as rich as a pearl. Our response is, wide as branches, and as inclusive as a net for all. Because, and I want you to make sure you hear this, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And this is the surprise in God's kingdom. Amen.